Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode. God bless you, and thank you for tuning in. Today we are in the book of Revelation, and we are continuing in Revelation 13, moving a little bit forward as well, and taking these topics and trying to do them justice so that we understand what God is saying, and then we will come back and do some recap to see the whole picture, and where these things fit in. So let's continue in the study, and we want to read today in Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. I'd like to stop right there for this particular episode today, and let's just discuss these verses again. We began this discussion in the last episode, and we focused on the great deception. This is the deceiving sidekick, we might call him, to this imposter. In other words, it's the false prophet to the Antichrist. He is the one that that is the second beast, and he's known as the false prophet because he is leading people astray. He is leading people to worship this beast, and he is bringing on the scene what appears to be a wonderful religious aspect to this evil beast, but it's a false religion. It's idolatry, and this false prophet is leading people away from the true and living God to worship this beast who has now become an idol. He's leading them into satanic worship, worship of the dragon who is behind this beast. In the last episode, we talked about how he would even be allowed to call down fire from heaven. If you'll remember, that's one trait that Elijah did in 1 Kings chapter 18, and we looked at that in the last episode, the God who answers by fire. And so he is seemingly granted this power in order to deceive. It appears to be from the true God. It appears to be godly. It appears to be spiritual. It appears to be of the Lord, but it is not. It is granted to him so that he can deceive all those who will not stay true to God's word. We looked in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, at what God has to say about this, because the Lord says that there will be false prophets, because God says in Deuteronomy 13, there will be those false prophets, those who come along and and they're false prophets, they're dreamers of dreams, and those things are coming to pass sometimes, because God is allowing them to test the people It's to test them. Where will their heart go? Will their heart stay true to the Lord? 
Will they follow the shiny or will they fear God and stay true to his word? And so today we're beginning to see more and more and more deception in many different streams. And so we must be careful. Know the real thing so that you will not follow the counterfeit. Know the word of God and stay true to his word in order to avoid falling into deception. The level of deception will be enormous in this time. It will be great. And Jesus warned over and over about that. We'll look at that again in a moment. But this false prophet is even going to create some type of image of this beast. Now, we don't know what that is. There are lots of speculations today. But we do know that today there is technology that can, in fact, produce something like this. We see a few things coming on the scene even right now that are not the beast image, but they certainly are setting the pace for that. They certainly are paving the way for that to come into fruition. We have this giant that you might hear about that's going, you know, going to be put in different places throughout the earth and It can even become you if you step in this booth or whatever. There's all kinds of holographic ways that they can do this. There's AI and other things. So we don't know what this image of the beast will be, but it will be some type of image, some type of appearance, perhaps even looking like the beast. It is going to be allowed to speak. And this false prophet is going to make people worship it or be killed. They will be martyred if they do not worship this image of the beast. And we typically refer affectionately to them as the tribulation saints. This image of the beast takes us back to another place in scripture where an image was created that people had to bow down to. And we find that in the book of Daniel. It's Nebuchadnezzar's image that he built. Now, if you'll remember in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. God gave him a dream. And Daniel was allowed by God and granted the interpretation of that dream. And Nebuchadnezzar's image was in the dream made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and then the feet, the toes were of iron and clay. So Daniel gave him the interpretation and it was talking about the various kingdoms or empires that would arise on the earth. And the final one is the Antichrist Empire, which will be destroyed by the stone from the mountain that's hewn without hands. And that is speaking of Jesus himself. So you can read that in Daniel chapter 2. But I want us to turn to Daniel chapter 3 After Nebuchadnezzar had the understanding of this image, let's consider what he did. Daniel chapter 3. And I want to read a few sections of Daniel chapter 3, and I'll discuss them as we go along. Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, let's stop here for a moment. Notice, first of all, he made him a huge image. The thing is 90 feet tall. 
but he made it all of gold. In the dream that he was given, Daniel's interpretation told him that his kingdom was the gold, the head of gold, the one represented by the gold. And the other kingdoms that would follow him were of the silver, the bronze, and the iron, and so forth. Well, Nebuchadnezzar decides he's going to make his image all of gold. It was a very proud, boastful, defiant act that he did. He wanted to be top dog forever, and he expected that he was going to be the gold kingdom would be the only one, and he wouldn't have anybody else coming after him. Verse 2, And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word together together, the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, so you've got Nebuchadnezzar, and he's established this 90-foot-tall image of gold. And now he is commanding everybody to worship his image, this image that he has crafted, representing himself and his gold empire that he expects to last forever. This is his pride and his rebellion. But if you continue reading in chapter 3, you will find out there are three Hebrew boys that came along with Daniel from Daniel chapter 1. We find their names. We find a little more about them. And they honor the God of heaven. And they will stand true to the God of heaven. They are those that Deuteronomy 13 talks about when it talks about those being tested to see whether they will stay true to God or whether they will fall for the other lies and deceptions and do the things that are abominable to God. So these three Hebrews are going to honor God. They've already made their decision. You know, if you read back in Daniel chapter 1, you will read about Daniel, and I believe this is true of these three Hebrew friends, that it says Daniel purposed in his heart that he was not going to disobey God. He did that before the temptation came. That's a good word for us. We need a purpose in our heart beforehand that we are going to honor the God of truth, the God who is the living God, the only one true God, and we need to stay to that. And sometimes that's hard to do. 
These three Hebrew boys were now going to be tested in a major way. So let's see what happens. They stood true to God. They would not waver. Let's go down and begin the reading in verse 12 again. This is some people that are coming and basically tattling on these three Hebrew boys because they're trying to get them in trouble. They don't like the fact that they worship the true and living God. So they're talking to the king here and they say, There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Nebuchadnezzar is not only challenging them to persecution, he's challenging their God. He's defying the living God. Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, we don't even have to think about our answer, O king. We know what we've already purposed in our heart. We know our God. We're going to stand true to him. He says, we don't have to go think about it. We don't have to have a prayer meeting. We don't have to come back to you later. We don't have to waste your time or ours. We already know what the answer is. Verse 17, if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, this is certainly applicable whenever we look at this false prophet and the image of this beast in Revelation chapter 13. There, the false prophet is trying to command that all of the people worship, but there will be some, praise be to God, and we affectionately call them tribulation saints, those who, who have come to faith in the Lord or those who know better than to worship this image. They are going to be killed. The ones who come to Jesus in that time need to have this same tenacity, this same conviction that these three Hebrew boys had and be able to say that our God is able to deliver us. Whether he does or doesn't, we ain't going to worship this image of the beast. We're not going to bow down and worship this false god. And so that's where, what we see here happening in Daniel chapter 3 and will happen in Revelation chapter 13 among some. And they will be killed. 
But here in Daniel chapter 3, we see the three Hebrews saying, O king, whether our God delivers us from this furnace or whether we die through it, he's the only God we're going to worship. The tribulation saints will have of that same kind of conviction, and they will most likely be killed because of it. Verse 19, let's continue in the story and find out what happens in Daniel chapter 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Hallelujah. Notice a couple of things in this passage. They were thrown in. The men that threw them in were killed immediately. They fall into this furnace. Now, I've always heard, and you may have too, that you know Nebuchadnezzar maybe had spent the night or whatever, and the next morning he finds out that they're the four. I don't know. And we are not told here what passage of time there was. But it appears just by the simple reading of this passage that when King Nebuchadnezzar was looking in shortly after throwing them in, maybe even right away, that there was the fourth man appeared. Jesus came into the fire with them and saw them through it and was right there with them and did in fact deliver them. There is a God who was able to deliver them out of King Nebuchadnezzar's hand. And he is the living God. He is the son of the living God, Jesus, our Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. And he showed up and he came and he rescued them. Continuing in Daniel chapter 3, verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose body, oh, I love this, on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not 
on them. This was a miracle that God did in the midst of that fiery furnace. Their bodies, the fire had no power over. In other words, they weren't burned. Their bodies, their skin was not burned. The hair of their head wasn't singed. The garments that they had been bound in, and we were given that a few verses earlier, all of those garments, not one of them was singed, not one caught on fire. And the smell of fire was not even on them. God did a miracle in that fiery furnace, and he did it to bring glory to his name. Hallelujah, because notice this, verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. In the days of this false prophet in Revelation chapter 13, there will be those tribulation saints who will frustrate the king's word, who will yield their bodies and not serve or worship any god except their own god. Now in that day, they will most likely be killed because that's what Revelation 13 tells us. But Jesus has already told all of those who are persecuted and all of those who would lose their life. Even in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, he talks about being faithful to the end because he's going to be right on the other side, giving forth the crown of life as they enter eternity. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. So notice what Nebuchadnezzar does in verse 29. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. God delivered them and God got the praise and the glory even though Nebuchadnezzar had thought to create and worship this image. They were faithful to the end, and God delivered them. In Revelation 13, the tribulation saints must be faithful to the end, because even when they have to yield their bodies and be killed, Jesus is going to give them the crown of life, and it won't be too much longer after that point that Jesus himself is going to come and we will find out later exactly what he does to that false prophet and to the beast and to the dragon. And he will have the victory and his name will be glorified. Praise be to God. So this false prophet is going to create some form of an image, some idolatrous image. And this is going to be the abomination of desolation that is spoken of in Daniel and in Matthew and perhaps even in Ezekiel as well. I want to relook at some of those verses very quickly as we begin to draw to a close here. This image will be this abomination of desolation spoken of in the scriptures. So let's look at Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 first. Let's go back and pick it up in verse 26. This is in Daniel's 70-week prophecy. And it says in verse 26, And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. We've talked about that in the past. Messiah will die. He will be killed. 
but not because of his own doings, not because of his sin. He took upon himself our sins. Continuing in Daniel chapter 9, And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. That's speaking of the Romans, the people of the Romans. And they did that in 70 AD. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Then he, the he here is talking about the prince of the people who is to come. This is referring to this beast, this antichrist, who rises in Revelation chapter 13 and comes on the scene. This Antichrist, it says this, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, which is that seven-year period. Daniel's 70 weeks are talking about 70 weeks of years. So it's 70 sevens. 70 times seven years is the whole of what's being spoken of here. And so we had the 69 weeks, then we have Messiah coming on the scene, and then there's a break, there's a gap. And we call that gap the church age. But in verse 27, we know that when the 70 weeks starts up again, it will begin not with the rapture of the church. It will begin with the signing or the confirming of a covenant with many for one week, for seven years Verse 27 again, that he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, or as we've discussed, one seven-year period. But in the middle of the week, in other words, three and a half years into it, in the middle of what we call the tribulation, it says he shall bring, he's still talking about this prince of the power that is to come, this Antichrist, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So he's going to bring in on the wing of abomination this thing that's going to make the temple desolate. He's talking about bringing an end to sacrifice in the middle of this week, in the middle of this tribulation period, and the end of sacrifice he's going to stop the worship in the temple, and instead he's going to put in this image that makes desolate in the temple. Daniel 11 verse 31 also says this, And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. This is saying the same thing. It's in the middle of that week. We're just given a little more detail about it here. And here it's specifically called the abomination of desolation. It's also spoken of in Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. Let's look next at Ezekiel chapter 8. In Ezekiel chapter 8, I want to read verses 1 through 6. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell upon me there. Then I looked, and there was a likeness, like the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his waist and downward, fire, and from his waist and upward, like the appearance of brightness, like the color of amber. He stretched out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my hair. And the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the image of jealousy was, 
which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there like the vision that I saw in the plain. Then he said to me, Son of man, lift your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted my eyes toward the north, and there, north of the altar gate, was this image of jealousy in the entrance. Furthermore, he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Now turn again, you will see greater abominations. So here we see Ezekiel also speaking of an image that provokes the Lord's jealousy because of its abominable nature, because it is an image of idolatry and an abomination to the Lord. Then in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is speaking here and he speaks about this image. And he says, beginning in verse 15, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and Luke 21 speaks of this abomination of desolation. Notice that he says it's spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Jesus affirms Daniel and affirms that Daniel is a prophet and that Daniel's prophecies are to be understood and known. And he says that this abomination is going to be standing in the holy place, in other words, in the temple. And he says that that's the signal for the Jews who believed in Jesus, for those who believed in the Lord to get out of Dodge, to get out of Jerusalem and flee to the mountains. And we've talked about that flight to the wilderness a little bit earlier. And the purpose of it is because it's there that they're going to come to repentance. It's there that God's going to allure them to call upon his name. And all Israel will be saved in that day, just like Paul prophetically spoke of in Romans chapter 11 as well. This happens at the midpoint of the tribulation. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, we see that this image is in result and in concurrence with the fact that this man of sin, this lawless one, this Antichrist, is also claiming deity. He is claiming to be God. And this is part of this image being set up to worship to worship him as God and to worship the dragon who gave him the power. Satan has always wanted the worship that belongs only to the true and living God. We need to be careful and watch out for deception. In Matthew chapter 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 21, one of the things that Jesus hones in on, four verses in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus warns, do not be deceived. Deception is growing in our day. It's rampant even now, and it's going to be ramped up and enormous in the time of this tribulation. We are getting warnings. It's like the red sirens. It's like those red buzzers dang, 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 going off to warn us not to be deceived. And the only way that we can avoid deception, even today, is to know the truth. And we are to have nothing to do with deception, any form of lying, deceiving signs and wonders, other things that are rising in our day today that we can see, various apparitions, grave soaking, 
deceiving signs, all kinds of things rising around us. And we need to be careful. Be very, very careful. Is God a God of miracles? Oh, yes, he is. But he chooses and he does them at his pleasure. And we need to follow the scriptures. We need to be careful. We need to judge prophecy. We need to test the spirits and we need to be judging the fruit. We don't judge people, but we do need to be judging the fruit and testing the spirits. Is it of God or not? Know the real thing and you will not fall for the counterfeit. And I want to leave you with this warning from scripture. And it's found in Galatians chapter one. I want to read verses six through nine. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Paul is giving strong warning here. We got to know the real. There's only one true everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. And if anyone, even he says here, an angel from heaven, were to come speaking of anything else. Do not believe them. It is a lie. It is deception. Have nothing to do with it. Stay true to God. Prove yourself faithful. Prove yourself true like those three Hebrew boys did, even when they were thrown into the fire, even in the face of that, because God was with them and God delivered them and God ultimately had the victory and brought glory to his name. And he will do the same in Revelation. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.